beloved, you are listening to Grace Life Comey Podcast, a platform commissioned by God to raise men into completeness in Christ Jesus. We believe that you will be blessed beyond measure as you give yourself wholly to this divinely inspired teaching. Through God's servant Pastor Chimdi Ohahuna. Grace to you, Jesus is Lord. Another great time of fellowship in his presence. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah to Jesus. Um, this is the miracle of Jesus. And um, this is the third miracle of Jesus we are looking into. Praise God forevermore. And it's been growing from glory to glory, from insight to insight, from revelation to revelation. And we thank God for everything we have been learning. All right, can we share a word of prayer as we go into God's word today? Sweet Holy Spirit, we thank you for another time of fellowship in your presence. We thank you for another privilege to dig deep into your word and to learn at your feet. We ask for revelation, we ask for understanding, we ask for insight. Teach us tonight that life be blessed today. Thank you, Lord and King, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah Hallelujah to Jesus. All right, we're looking at the third miracle of Jesus, and we've been on the third miracle of Jesus um, for a couple of weeks. Um, we began to look at it. Um, this is a miracle of um, the man who was sick at the pool of Bethesda for 38 years, 38 good years. That was no little time. It was a great time of being sick. Amen to Jesus. Hallelujah to Jesus. All right, now Jesus was in his 30s at this period of time. So it obviously meant that this man began, uh, his sickness began even before Jesus was born physically. So it was a great period of time. And um, definitely why Jesus passed um, this ship gate time and again, um, he, he must have seen this man as a young lad, praise God forevermore. So it was not a new sickness, but an old one, praise God. All right, we understood um, from the beginning of this study about the sheep gate, um, which was a very um, serious thing we had to take note of, the sheep gate. And uh, we understood very well that all through Jesus' time of entering into Jerusalem, he entered through the sheep gate. We also understood that there were ten gates that led into Jerusalem. But amidst, amongst those ten gates, Jesus used only one gate to enter into Jerusalem every time he entered into Jerusalem. And that was the sheep gate. Oh, there was a fish gate. There were other gates that he should have used them. But he chose to only use the sheep gate, praise God forevermore. And we also understood that the sheep gate led into Jerusalem. And it also led into Golgotha. Amen to Jesus. So it was a very pivotal gate for the ministry of Jesus. It spoke about the beginning of the ministry of Jesus and also the end of the early ministry of Jesus. The beginning of the early ministry of Jesus and the end of the early ministry of Jesus. That was the sheep gate actually um, revealed. We lo- looked at that in our previous study and I'm, I encourage everybody to go to that study. It was a great time of you know, growing in God's word. And we're going to be looking more into the sheep gate today. Amen to Jesus. We're going to be looking at another thing about the sheep gate. The last time we looked at something about the sheep gate, we could go into that study and understand it amen, and, and listen to it. You understand um, something special about the sheep gate. Today we are going to be looking about uh, at 
something also about the sheep gate the second thing about the sheep gate and that's that the sheep gate was built by the high priest amen to jesus the sheep gate was built by the high priest we've understood that there is no coincidence in scripture and there is no information that is just put there for the sake of being put there amen to jesus everything in scripture has great importance the sheep gate was built by the high priest. And we learned in our previous story that Jesus is a high priest. Amen to Jesus. Now, so physically, the sheep gate was built by the high priest. And every time Jesus came into the sheep gate, he made them understand that he was the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the earth. That was the purpose of always going through the sheep gate to make people understand that it was the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the earth for the salvation of our sin for, um, for our salvation and for the ultimate atonement of our sins praise god forevermore hallelujah to jesus and now it was now we understand that it was built by the high priest praise god forevermore and jesus being a high priest this was built by a physical high priest but this sheep gate had a physical significance which pointed to a spiritual world reality now the high priest built the sheep gate that was a physical significance but it pointed to the spiritual reality which is jesus a high priest the one who also built what the sheep gate praise god forevermore hallelujah to jesus all right now um the gate reveals jesus who is not only the way to god as he stated in John 14, verse 6, it also reveals the free and the free access to the Father Jesus gave to all men via the great salvation accomplished on the cross. Now, John 14, verse 6, Jesus speaks there. He says, Jesus said unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, the first we need to understand about the sheep gate is that it reveals Jesus first as the way to the Father. Praise God forevermore. Now, it's um, we need to understand something here that Jesus says He is the way. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah to Jesus. Jesus says He is the way. The way, not a way. Amen to Jesus. Now, but before we go into that, we need to understand something that Jesus, um, being the high priest, uh, um, who built this sheep gate from a spiritual point of view, it makes us understand that this sheep gate was the access that Jesus had to give us what to give us salvation. How do I mean by that? We learned from our previous study that the sheep gate was, um, the one of the assets into Jerusalem. And it was the assets by which animals for sacrifice were taken through the animal market into, into the temple. Praise God forevermore. So it was a gate that led from the animal market to the temple away together. So without this gate, animals cannot actually be able to, and you cannot actually take animals to the temple. Hallelujah to Jesus. Now, so it makes us understand that it was and access to the temple and jesus told them he said i would he told them about the temple he said i will destroy this temple and after three days i will build it back up now when jesus said i will destroy this temple and after three days i will build it back up they actually thought that he was talking about the physical temple and so they said it was blasphemy how can he destroy this temple that solomon took so much time to build it actually took Solomon seven years to build this temple. And the reason why it took him seven years to build it was because all the resources and the materials needed to build the temple were made available by his father, um, David. David said, 
have left the gold for the gold or silver for the silver and even the, 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 the connections he needed to build it the king of Hiram king of Hiram was, was already a friend of David and so Hiram um, was to produce Lebanon um, as the cedar of Lebanon for them and so all, uh, David uh, Solomon had to do was to get in touch with Hiram and he got in touch with Hiram and Hiram provided him with men to cut down the cedars and also to them will not only cut down the cedars will float them down to you so let me say every resource is needed everything needed to build was made available all solomon needed to do was just put the resources together and build amen to jesus hallelujah to jesus all right so it took him several years to do that because the resources there you know that when you have the money to build building runs fast yeah um somebody told me about a particular um, building that someone built but millions millions of men and in a couple of three months it rose when the money is there the building rises fast amen the building runs slowly when you have to wait for the money to come to buy materials or to get my and every of that so it goes but when the resources are there everything runs with speed so solomon could attain speed in building because the father had already made provision for that remember that david wanted to build but um god told david not to build amen and, and he told him solomon would do the building for him so everything went smoothly and it took seven years to be and also another thing to understand about this building pro, um, um this building project was that every stone that was used to build this temple they were cut in the quarry they cut them to shape in the quarry and when they assembled when they brought them to the temple site all they did was what assemble so it was a noiseless building process all they did was to fit stones to each other there was nothing like um using a hammer to hit the stones so they fit into each other you know nothing like that and it took a lot of professionalism to cut stones to size at site at the quarry and bring them and they will just fit in even we who build we know that when you bring stones and blocks to build to build you have to cut blocks at a point in time so the off cuts can fit into you know the the, the whole um, um building pr um, process but these professionals were so good at their job that they knew the size of the off, off cuts to to cut out so that when they come to building site they don't need to use a hammer or a chisel to break any stone praise god forevermore hallelujah to jesus they don't need a hammer or a chisel to break any stone praise god forevermore they can come in straight and then the build hallelujah to jesus all right so that was a beautiful thing about the building of this temple and it costed a lot of time and a lot of resources to build this temple um, si um a lot of bible scholars makes us understand it costed billions of dollars to build this temple amen to jesus and so jesus comes and tells them that in three days he will destroy this temple now from a rational point of view from a normal point of view the only thing to do is to agitate but they never understood that jesus was not speaking of a physical temple they were talking about he was speaking about himself being the temple now we know scripture also makes us understand apostle paul speaking he said know you not that your bodies are the temple of the holy ghost and the holy ghost dwells in it we need to understand something always that the old testament was the new testament concealed and the new testament Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah to Jesus. Amen. All right. And so 
everything that was done in the Old Testament was actually a shadow of the New Testament. It was a shadow of the New Testament. So now Jesus saying, I will break down this temple. It was a pointer to what's going to be when Apostle Paul makes us understand that our bodies are the temples of the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost dwells in them. He was trying to make us understand that every temple you see in the Old Testament was actually a shadow of the New Testament temple. The Bible calls Jesus the chief cornerstone. Amen to Jesus. So him being the chief cornerstone as the temple now gives way for the New Testament temple which every one of us happens to be. Praise the Lord. Alright, back to where we were before. We understood that the sheep gate led to the temple and the temple was where every of the atonements were made. Amen to Jesus. Now the sheep gate was the entry point to the temple. And Jesus says that he will destroy that temple. That temple he spoke of there was his body. Now, if the temple is Jesus' body and the sheep gate led to the temple, what then is the sheep gate? We understood that the sheep gate was built by what? By the high priest. Now, so if we understood that from symbolic representation, everything you see in the Old Testament is a typological and symbolic representation of something in the New Testament. Now, so the temple that even Solomon built was a symbolic representation of the body of Jesus. Amen. That was to be broken. Praise God forevermore. Now, the sheep gate that led into the temple was also a symbolic representation of something that had to do with Jesus. Amen. And now, Jesus is a high priest. And the high priest himself was the one who built the sheep gate. It's no coincidence that the high priest himself built the sheep gate. Now, someone else would have built the sheep gate. Remember, the temple was built by so many men who came together, thousands of people that Solomon put together to build the temple. Now, so one other, some other maybe group of men should have been put together to also build the sheep gate. But no, the high priest himself single-handedly built the sheep gate. It was no coincidence incidents. Why would the high priest himself single-handedly build the sheep gate? Simple. Jesus, his, the temple of um, Solomon, which he said he would destroy, was symbolic for his body. The sheep gate was built by the high priest, who Jesus is to us in the New Testament. And Jesus being the one who built the sheep gate simply means that that sheep gate that led to the temple was simply the cross. Because it was a cross that led to the destruction of Remain connected. Teaching continues shortly. When they pierced his side, the Bible says blood and water came out of that side. Why? Because the heart had ruptured and it had released all the blood down to the side and water was also released there. When that side was pierced and blood and water came out, what happened was that the total cleansing of humanity came out of Jesus. Now, the Bible says that we that may wash us by the washing of the water by the word. Water then symbolizes the word, which washes the new creation, the born again child of God. So we are washed by the water of the word continuously when we get born again. And then the blood there is for what? It's for the washing of our sins. So Jesus' body was absolutely broken when the soldier pierced the side. Are we together? And the access to the breaking of the body was the cross. The sheep gate was the access point into the temple. So in for Jesus, the sheep gate which he built was actually the cross. So it makes us understand that the cross of Calvary was not that wood that was built by the Roman soldiers. Jesus actually built 
his cross. It was not what he carried. Are we together? And uh, Simon um, helped him carry. Amen. That was not actually the cross. That was a physical, symbolic, and um, typological representation of the sheep gate. Are you getting what I'm saying? The actual cross was that which the high priest Jesus built, which was a sheep gate. And he actually used it as the access to the breaking of his body. Are we together? So we understood this in the previous lesson that um, the sheep gate was actually used for the breaking of the body of Jesus. Amen to Jesus. All right. And so we understood also um, that the sheep gate um, was the access point to the temple. And we also understand that Jesus is the way to the Father. Um, Jesus said, I am the way. He didn't say, I am a way. He says, I am the way. And we need to understand something very well. Now, if you look at the English, the, in James Version, it says, I, I am, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, um, the way in the King James Version is one word. But if you go to the coin Greek, the original Greek, um, it is two different words, are we together? Because the is a distinct word, and way is a distinct word. And that actually speaks of specific. Now, when you say a way, it means there could be alternative. When you say a thing, it means there are alternatives. When you say the thing, it means there is no alternative. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah to Jesus. Now, so, um, Jesus said, I am the way, which is what? A definite article. And it means that there is no alternative way to the Father. Jesus is the only way to God the Father. Now, there's another thing to also get in here. Jesus did not say in this verse of scripture, no one cometh to God. Are you getting what I'm saying? He said, no one cometh to the Father. Now, we also need to understand the reason for um, words that are used in scriptures. Now, when Jesus told um, the Pharisees, he told them, I and the Father are one. If you go to the King James, he says, I and my Father are one. Now, I am a King James boy. I grew with the King James, and I still use the King James. But if you have to re rely so much on the King James, you will not get a lot of understanding. Praise God forevermore. Now, it says, I and my father are one in the King James. And the Bible says, and they began to fight against him for what? Blasphemy. Now, if he said, I am my father, there will be no need for a fight there. Because they should have told him, after all, Joseph is your father. So, yes, you and your father are one. Amen to Jesus. But he said, if you go to the original Greek, he says, I and the father. In the Jewish tradition, in the Jewish, in Judaism, in the Jewish culture, in the Jewish religion, there's only one person refers to refer to as the Father. And that is Yahweh. The Father. So when Jesus said, I and the Father are one, they knew he was referring to Yahweh. So they knew he was saying, I and Yahweh are one. And for him to be saying, him and Yahweh are one, it meant a man equaling himself with God. Are we together? And so they hit at him, telling him he was blaspheming. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, so Jesus did not say, no one comment to God except to me. He said, no one comment to the Father. It makes us understand that there are many, many alternative ways to a God. Are you getting what I'm saying? But to God the Father, Jesus is the only way. And Jesus specifically stated that, that no one comes to the Father. To the Father. Check your Bible where. It is to the Father. No one comes to the Father except what? Except through me. So the emphasis here is what? The Father. Are we together? Not 
God. Are you getting what I'm saying? Or not a God. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, so it makes us understand that there are many ways to different gods. Now, we've always had, um, in fact, um, the, 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 the Greek believed that there is no one God. The Greek, they believe that there is no one God. That's why you saw that, when you say that when Paul began to defend himself before Caesar, um, Augustus Caesar and Agrippa, there was a serious fight. Why? Because he said, come on, there are many gods, and you cannot subject us to believe one God. So the Greek believe that there are many gods. Many, many, many gods. That's the Greek belief. Are you getting what I'm saying? And so you know that in the time Jesus came, it was a mixed environment. Actually, it was a time that was dominated, they were under the Roman Empire, are you getting what I'm saying? So, many of the Hellenistic Jews began to, even go into the, the Roman temples to worship, praise God. So there was a serious mix. And so, the mix caused a lot of challenge there. And that's why Jesus was careful and selective about his words. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. He told them before Abraham, I am. He was talking to the Jews then. He told them, because they know who I am is. When and Moses asked um, the Lord, he said, who should I say sent me? And he said, tell them, I am sent you. So when Jesus said, I am, they knew he was talking about, I am. Are we together? So he was very selective about his words. He didn't just mean words. He didn't just use words. He was selective about because he knew he was, he was addressing. He was addressing the Jews. And he wanted to ensure that he communicated the message across the day. Praise God forevermore. And that's the reason why they always had a fight with him. Because he made them understand that he's one with Yahweh. He's actually Yahweh. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah to Jesus. Alright, so this makes us clearly understand that there are ways to God. And the, 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 the Greek believed in many gods. Amen to Jesus. So there are ways to God. But Jesus knew that he was talking to the, to the Jews and in that congregation there were mixed multitudes. There would always be mixed multitude. Are you getting what I'm saying? So he knew that there would be some Greek philosophers there. There would be some Greek soldiers there. And so he's very specific about his words. So he communicates rightly. And he tells them, no one comes to the Father. Not to a God. Are you getting what I'm saying? And so he doesn't oppose the fact that they believe in many gods. Are you getting what I'm saying? And neither will I fight people from believing what they want to believe in. But when it comes to Yahweh, there is only one way, and that is Jesus. Are we together? Yes. And so, the sheep gate first reveals to us that Jesus is the only way to Yahweh. But it reveals to us, and why do I say it's the only way to Yahweh? Because remember, in the temple, the sheep gate led into the temple. I get what I'm saying. And the temple, you have the outer court, the inner court, and the holies of all. Now, the outer court was where the people had to stay. The inner court was where the priest had to purify himself before he goes into the holies of all. The holies of all was where God dwelt. And in the holies of all, one thing was there. There was no there was no artificial light. The only light that was there was the glory of God. Praise God, praise God. So it was actually symbolic for the, the glory of God. It was the place that the glory of God dwelt in. Amen. And now even the, the tabernacle was symbolic for the human body. The outer court speaks of the physical body. The inner court speaks of the soul. Are we together? And the holies of all speaks of the spirit. Amen to Jesus. And so, the sheep gave me the cross that led to the temple. Led to the first destruction of the outer court of the temple. But remember something that before Jesus, before Jesus, as it were, 
finally um, left. The Bible says he gave up his ghost. Praise God forevermore. His spirit could not be destroyed. Are we together? His body was broken, but his spirit could not be broken. Now, his mind would have been broken in Gethsemane because he was almost getting to the point of depression. I hear what I'm saying. But he didn't get depressed. But his spirit could not be broken. Amen to Jesus. Now, so the ship gate led to, it led to the temple, which was actually not just a physical, as it were, a physical temple with him, but was symbolic for the body of Jesus, the soul of Jesus, and what? The spirit of Jesus. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah to Jesus. Amen. Now, so Jesus, Jesus, by the ship gate, not only um, gave us access to the Father, as in the way to the Father, amen to Jesus, amen. but Jesus gave by his blood absolute what? Atonement for sins. And he gave us what? Eternal redemption and salvation on the cross. Now, uh, more often than not, when we teach about eternal redemption, we teach about eternal salvation, and um, there's a lot of arguments to that. Many people believe that the salvation we received is not eternal. The redemption we receive is not eternal. But the Bible has made us clear on that. Now, we need to understand something. Salvation and redemption is God's part. Now, we have our what? Our part. What God did is forever. It's eternal. Are we together? But we have a part also to play in receiving this eternal gift. Now, Hebrews chapter 9 verse 12 says, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. I like this verse of scripture very because it makes us understand something which we are going to go into. By his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal. It's in your Bible there. King James is there. Amen to Jesus. If you go to the coin Greek, it's also there. Amen to Jesus. Eternal redemption for us. Obtain what? Eternal redemption for us. It is clearly stated here. That the redemption is what? Is what? Eternal. Is eternal. By his own blood. By his own blood. By his own blood. So this makes us understand that the cross was the free access that Jesus gave us to God the Father. And how did he do that? By his own blood. Now why was, it, why was the emphasis his own blood made here? Because in the Old Testament, the priest had to go in with blood. And it was the blood of an animal. Remember, we understood that the sheep market was the place where the sacrificial animals were sold. And the sheep gate was next to the sheep market. And it was through the sheep gate that those sacrificial animals were taken in towards the holies of all. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah to Jesus. All right. Now, the, the priest had to go into the holies of all with blood. And it was the blood of an animal. Every time he goes to make atonement, this atonement was done once a year. Once a year. He goes in with the blood of an animal. Why? Because the Bible makes us understand that almost everything is forged with blood. Amen to Jesus. Amen. And the Bible makes us understand that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Now, when the priest makes atonement, this is what he does. In the holies of all, there was uh, um, the seven candlestick, there was the shoe bread, and um, there was also the, um, the, the, the ark of the tabernacle. The ark of the tabernacle was covered by the mercy seat. The mercy seat, uh, on the mercy seat, there were two angels kneeling down and, their, and were bowed down and their knees were touching each other. That was the mercy seat. Inside the mercy seat, there were three things. There was the manna, amen, to Jesus, which was um, the proof of man's 
man's uh, rejection of God's provision. Number two, there was there was um there was the rod of Moses. The rod of Moses was symbolic for man's rejection of God's leadership. Amen to Jesus. And you know that the rod of Moses body. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah to Jesus. All right, now on that um, uh, mercy seat, the the priest was to sprinkle the blood. He was to sprinkle the blood of the animal. He was to sprinkle the blood of the animal. And why was he to sprinkle the blood of the animal? Because the blood of the animal was to be used for atonement. And why was the blood of the animal to be used for atonement? Because blood is a barricade between the eyes of God and the sins of man. God cannot see true blood. Amen. God cannot see true blood. So when blood is sprinkled, God cannot see true. And the blood of the animals were sprinkled on the mercy seat once a year. And for that period of one year, God cannot see through the mercy seat. Amen. In towards the sins of man. Now, like I said, that inside the um, the, tab, um, the, the, the tabernacle was the was um, the, um, the 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 manna, which symbolized God, man's rejection of God's provision. The the rod of Aaron, which symbolized um, man's rejection of God's leadership over there, and also the um, Ten Commandments, the tablets of stone, which symbolize the law which man could not keep. Now, whenever God looks at every of these things, he sees man's sin. Are we together? And that's why God instructed them never to open the mercy seat. Remember a situation when it was open, and the people, they, um, they, were, um, um, they were afflicted, and men died in numbers over there. God instructs not to open the mercy seat. And that's why blood has to be sprinkled on the mercy seat. So God's eye cannot see through the blood and see into what? Into man's sin and man's rejection. Praise God forevermore. Now, so the priest goes with blood every year to make atonement. Without blood, atonement cannot be done. But Jesus goes to make atonement. Now, the first thing to understand is that the priest went with another animal's blood. Are you getting what I'm saying? He didn't go with his own blood. Praise God forevermore. So let me use this one. It was a borrowed blood. So it was borrowed atonement. Praise God forevermore. And that's the reason why that atonement could not last beyond a year. Because one thing for sure is that when you borrow something, you don't know the value of it. Somebody said, when you are fetch, when you fetch water and you are carrying it, you know the value of every drop. But when somebody fetches water and gives to you, you don't know the value of every drop. Now, when the priest carries the animal to sacrifice, I remember then God made sacrifice um, the atonement in a way that every class of personality can atone. There was the bulls, those who were rich could use the bulls and the high animals, amen to Jesus, to sacrifice. Those who were middle class would use the rams, amen to Jesus. And those who are the lowest class, they could use what? The turtle doves. So everybody could sacrifice. When Jesus was born, his parents brought turtle doves because they didn't have money, amen to Jesus. Now, so God made provision for everybody to be able to make atonement for his sin. But the issue about such atonement is that it was done with borrowed blood. And borrowed blood will not give value to the one making atonement. Are we together? Even the priest could not value the atonement as he should value it because it is not his blood. He borrowed the blood to make atonement. Amen to Jesus. And so that's the reason why even the priest himself had to cleanse himself before he goes. Amen to Jesus. And then he cleanses himself and he goes. And he could also, you know, after the atonement, still commit sin because it is not his blood. The priest was not perfect. Are you getting me? Because it was not his blood. 
Now, for Jesus, when he comes to make atonement, the Bible says, he says, neither of, by the blood of goats and calves, he says, but by his own blood. The purpose of his own blood, number one, is to personalize atonement. And number two, it has to be done by sinless sacrifice. Now, when God told the children of Israel to do the Passover, the Passover was a symbolic representation of what? Of redemption. Amen to Jesus. Now, when he told them to do the Passover, he told them to take, to take a lamb that was a year or less than, are we together? And it was to be spotless. Why was that so? It was symbolic for the spotless lamb of God that was slain from the foundation of the earth. And now, he told them also, each family to take a lamb. If you cannot finish a lamb, share with the family. Secondly, the reason for that, that um, classification of animal was because they were to eat it whole, even the bones. So the bones were to be soft, praise God forevermore, so that they would not have problems cracking the bones. Amen to Jesus. Now, so it was, the, 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 the lamb was symbolic for purification, sanctification, and sinlessness. The priest of the Old Testament had sinned in him. So he could not even make atonement with his own blood, number one. Number two, he borrowed an animal's blood. And that was a borrowed atonement. And when you borrow atonement, you cannot value atonement. But Jesus comes to make atonement, and he makes atonement with his own blood. Now, the first thing you need to understand is that Jesus valued his atonement he did for us. That's why the Bible makes us understand in Hebrews um, chapter, chapter, um, chapter 4. It tells us that um, he says, if we knowingly sin, after we have received this great, you know, salvation. He says we have trampled the finished work of Christ on that ground. And he says there will be no more atonement for that. Why? Because when you trample the finished work of Christ, you are trampling what Jesus values. Because Jesus did not make atonement with a borrowed blood. He made atonement with his own blood. So in other words, it was his own life, and that was the height of value. Now, it, uh, it is believed that the average man has 3.5 to 5 liters of blood in his body. Jesus emptied every of the blood to make atonement. So it was a highly valued atonement. That's why when the Bible says with his own blood, it was not a, it was not just to put words there. It's to make us understand the value that Jesus places on this atonement. Are you going to say? That is why it cannot be a temporary atonement. That's the reason why this atonement brought about eternal salvation. Now, let me tell you what is temporary redemption. The atonement done by the blood of bulls and goats. That is temporary atonement. That is temporary what? Redemption. But the atonement done by the blood of Jesus himself cannot be temporary. It is eternal redemption. Yes. Praise God forevermore. It is eternal in nature. Amen to Jesus. Amen. And this redemption was done for us. Hallelujah to Jesus. Amen. Now Hebrews chapter 5 verse 9 says, Having been made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. And being made perfect, being made perfect, he became what? The author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Praise God forevermore. Now we need to understand something here. Jesus, the Bible says, he who knew no sin was made sin that may be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, how was he made sin? He was made sin by his flesh becoming sin. Amen to Jesus. Now, when Jesus lived on the earth, he was never made sin. We need to understand that. He was never made sin. 
Jesus was made sin on Calvary. That was when his flesh was made sin. Amen to Jesus. And when his flesh was made sin, there was a struggle between his spirit and his flesh. Why? Because his spirit cannot inhabit a flesh that has been made sin. And that was the reason why he gave up the ghost. Because the spirit could not stay any longer. You ask a question, could Jesus have lived longer than the time he lived on the cross? No. He wouldn't have lived longer. Why? Because his body had been made what? Sin. And a perfect spirit, a perfect being, a perfect man, being made perfect, a perfect man, the perfect spirit can only in a body that was made sin. And so the body, the spirit had to what? Escape. So when he said he gave up the good, the spirit had to leave. That's why on the cross he cried, Eli, Eli, Lamak, Sabbath, Tani. Now all through Jesus' stay on the earth, especially in the time of his ministry, three and a half years, read through the scripture. He never called Yahweh God. He called him my father. He called him the father. But for the first time he called Yahweh, God was on the cross. Eloi, Eloi, my God, my God. Because at that point in time, he was not standing as the son of God. Neither was he standing as a son of man. He was standing as the high priest of our salvation. And as the high priest, he was standing as what? The suffering servant. And as a suffering servant, when you look at the word to the left side, to the left side, that's the word that says it is finished. That the last time was is a Greek word that was used by servants those days when their master sent them on an errand and they have fulfilled the errand. They come back to their master and tell their master that the last time. So on the cross, Jesus was the suffering servant, not the Son of God, not the Son of Man. That's why I couldn't call um, God my father there. He had to address him as what? God. Why? Because he was servant. This was now servant to master relationship. Now, I need to help you understand something there. It means that for us in new creation, we don't call him God. We call him Abba. Because the, the, the rendition of God is a servant-master relationship. But for the new creation, we, are not, we, we don't have a servant-master relationship with him. We have a father and son relationship with him. That's why Jesus says, if hands, then hands of God, and joint hands with what? With Christ. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah to Jesus. And so, that, that, these are things that we need to understand. Very, very basic. And this understanding was the base on which Jesus did his redemptive work. So, this sheep gate was actually the cross that gave him access to what? To his spiritual work. Of redemption. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah to Jesus. Now, so it says, and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Amen. Now, we saw that he entered once into the holy place and obtained eternal redemption. Now, so we look at two things here. Eternal salvation and what? Eternal redemption. The sheep gate was the access point into what? The temple for eternal Redemption and eternal salvation to be achieved. Are we together? So the sheep gate was a cross that gave Jesus the access to obtain eternal redemption and eternal salvation for us. Now, so we need to understand something here. 
that this salvation and this redemption is eternal. It's forever. The Bible says, whatever the Lord dwells shall be what? Forever. It's not partial. Partial redemption, partial salvation is Old Testament. Eternal redemption, eternal salvation is what? Is New Testament. But look at something here. He says, and be made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. So, we need to understand something here. He is the author of eternal salvation. But this eternal salvation is only available to all who what? Obey Jesus. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah to Jesus. Now, so Jesus gave us free access to God the Father. Because in the Old Testament, only the priest could enter into the Holy of Holies. Where the presence of God dwelt. To make atonement to the blood for people. Now, in the Old Testament, only the priest could enter. Only the priest had access into what? Into the holies of holies. Amen to Jesus. Now this means that only the priest had access to God. Amen. Amen. The people in the Old Testament, they don't have access to God. Very serious. We need to take note of this. The people in the Old Testament never had access to God. It was only the priest who had access to God. Now that's why I have a serious problem with um, New Testament saints who believe that they need somebody to assess God for them. It's an Old Testament mentality. It began from the time of Moses, when God told Moses, tell the children of Israel I want to speak with them. And when they saw the lightning, the thunder, the earthquake, they told Moses, Moses, please, go and talk to God. When you finish talking to God, anything he tells you, come and tell us back. They could not manage the presence of God. Now it began from there, and it entered into the priest. And the priest, only, only the priest had access to the presence of God. Now, so when he's done with the presence of God, he comes out. And on that, you need to understand something. The priest had access to the presence of God only once a year. So, number one, he had access to the presence of God. And the access was still what? Limited. So, it was a serious access problem. Amen to Jesus. Now, so in the Old Testament, the priest had access, and his access was limited. Amen to Jesus. The people never had access to God. Number two, I also have a problem with, uh, with Christians. I mean, say I have a problem because it's not right. With Christians who believe that someone has to hear God for them. If someone has to hear God for you, that means, number one, you have denied yourself access to God. Number two, if at all you never have access, you've made your access limited. Why? Because um, in the New Testament, the access is different from the Old Testament. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah to Jesus. Um, the access the priest had was because he was a chosen one. Amen. He was chosen as a priest. That's why he had what? Access to the what? Presence of God. And he was chosen to make atonement for his own sins and then come with the blood of the animal to make atonement for the sins of people. Praise God forevermore. And because he was chosen as a priest. But I need to help us understand something. In the New Testament, the Bible makes us understand that we are priests and we are kings. Amen to Jesus. In the Old Testament, only one person was given access to the presence of God, the priest, to make atonement. In the New Testament, by virtue of the finished work of Christ, everyone born again child of God is a priest and a king. It means that every child of God has been given what? Access. Every child of God Every child of God has been given what? Access. Amen to Jesus. Amen. Every child of God has access into the presence of God. And if we all have access into the presence of God, it definitely means that if we are giving our access to someone else, 
it's obvious that we don't understand what Jesus has done. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah to Jesus. Now, so the priest comes with the blood of an animal. He's giving a temporary access with the blood of an animal. Now, why was this so? Because without the shedding of blood, there was no remission of sin. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22 says, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood is no remission of sin. In the Old Testament, the priest got access by blood. In the New Testament, the high priest, which is Jesus, also got access by what? Blood. Amen to Jesus. Now, according to Psalms chapter 110 verse 4, Jesus is our high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. It says, the Lord has sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, so in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, there was a high priest that was to get access into God's presence by blood, assigned by God, and it was only one. Praise the Lord. Before the New Testament began, because the New Testament was enacted by Jesus, Jesus also had to come, also had to come as the high priest, the high priest of our salvation. And he followed the order of Melchizedek. And for him to be a high priest, he also had to follow the normal procedure that the high priest of God followed. He had to go with blood. Are we together? Yeah. And another thing we also have to understand about the high priest duty that Jesus carried out was that according to the order of the high priest in the Old Testament, the high priest was not meant to be contaminated. That's the reason why he purifies himself. He makes sure he doesn't touch any contaminated thing. And even before he goes to make atonement, he purifies himself. Amen to Jesus. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. Alright. And Jesus, when he resurrected, when he died, he went to hell. Go to the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms gave out a lot of prophetic operations of what Jesus did. And he said, uh, and he said, be lifted up here at the last gate, and let the king of glory come in. Say, who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battles. Be, be lifted up here at the last doors, and let the king of glory come in. He's the king of glory, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battles. Amen. He spoke about what Jesus did when he died, and he went to Hades. Amen to Jesus. Now, when Jesus resurrected, he had to go to the presence of Elohim, to Yahweh, to do his final atonement work for us. And he had to do it with what? With blood. And that's the reason why when Mary wanted to touch him, she said, he told her, no, do not touch me. I have not what? Ascended, I have not appeared before my father. Why? According to the high priestly duties, he is not meant to be touched because the touch of a human can, can contaminate him. And as a result of that, you can, he cannot be able to grant his high priestly duties. So Jesus told Mary, do not touch me. I have to go back to my father. After he died, after he resurrected, he had to go to the Father, carry the blood of atonement, obtain the eternal redemption. In other words, show the Father and say, this is my redemptive blood, which I share for the redemption and the salvation of humanity. And after he did that, he came back to earth. And that was why he came and he told Thomas, Thomas, put your hands into my side. Put your hands into my, my, my hands. Put your hands into my, in my feet. The same Jesus who told me, don't touch me comes and he tells Thomas, touch me. Because between that intervals, he had to go and fulfill the high priesthood. That's why the Bible says, he fulfilled the law. Because he had to follow the high priestly duties 
to the Senate. Are we together? Yes. And as a result of that, he, he was able to achieve atonement. So Jesus, in the capacity of the high priest, gained access to atonement to the Father with his own blood. We have seen it also. And he didn't just end at gaining access. See, the priest of old, he gained access only once a year. It was a temporary access. Why? Number one, it was by borrowed blood. Number two, it was by the blood of a lesser being. And the Bible says, of, of, by all necessity, the lesser is blessed of the higher. You cannot use the blood of a lesser creature to atone for a higher creature and it will be permanent though. Because the lesser is always blessed by the word higher. So it was a temporary atonement by a borrowed blood. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because it was also done with the blood of a lesser creature. But Jesus, God made flesh and dwelt among men, is God. And he comes with his own blood, which is higher than every other blood, and makes atonement for us. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah, Hallelujah to Jesus. Amen. Now, with this atonement, Jesus did not just have temporary access to the Father. Are we together? Unlike the priest, who has temporary access only once in a year, Jesus has eternal access to the Father. The Bible says, he is seated at the right hand of the Father. The Bible says in John, first John 1, it says, my, my, I belong. I write this unto you that you see not. And if you see, if you see, you have Jesus, the advocate, who is seated at the right hand of the Father, making atonement for, for us. Now, so, Jesus, while the Old Testament priest had a temporary atonement, um, a temporary access to the presence of God, are you getting what I'm saying? And it was a short-lived one. After carrying out his duties, it's the next year. Are you getting what I'm saying? The Jesus not only had the access to the Father, but his access is what? His access is eternal. He's eternally with the Father. And not only did he have an eternal access to the Father, Jesus also gave us what? Eternal access to the Father. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah, Hallelujah to Jesus. Amen and amen. Alright, now so, he gave everyone who believes in him eternal access to the Father. And so, as a result of that, this eternal access is what brought about what? Relationship. And what? Fellowship. The Bible says that we are heirs of God. Romans chapter 8. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. It says, as many that are led by the Spirit of God are what? as sons of God. Now, this is the access that Jesus gave to us. Now, the beauty about the access, the sheep gate, access that Jesus gave to us is that he didn't only just have access, he also gave us access. For the Old Testament priest, he alone had access. But for Jesus, he gained access and also gave us access. That is why we also can call him what? Our Father. That's why it says we have not received the spirit of bondage, wearing to what? Fear. But we have received the spirit of what? Boldness and adoption. 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 Why adoption? Because of the eternal access that Jesus gave us. We have received the spirit of boldness and adoption 
whereby you can cry what? Abba, Father. The word Abba there is the Hebrew word that actually means Daddy. So it is an asset that not just gives us the right into the presence of God. It gives us the right to call God Daddy. Not to call him God, but to call him what? Daddy. That means there is a relationship. Not just a relationship, a loving father to children relationship. That is what the shipmate makes us understand. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah to Jesus. And so as a result of that, he made peace between man and God. Now look at Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12 to 15. It says, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Eternal, the word comes in there very important. It says, For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling your clean, sanctified to the purifying of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ, and who through the eternal spirit offer himself, look at something here, the blood of Christ, through the eternal spirit. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, so it makes us understand that Jesus did not just die. Are you getting what I'm saying? It was through the Holy Spirit. Are we together? Through the eternal spirit, offered himself without spot to God. Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And also we need to understand something here. That Jesus was not coerced to die. Are you getting what I'm saying? The Bible says he offered himself. That's why scripture says like a sheep to the slaughter, he opened not his mouth. It was an offering he gave. Are you getting what I'm saying? It was a free will gift. The, see, the reason why the salvation is eternal is because it was an offering. Apostle Paul says, not of necessity. For God loveth what? A cheerful giver. Why would Apostle Paul make that emphasis? Because even Jesus did not die of necessity. He died what? Cheerfully. He offered himself. He offered himself. It was not of necessity. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah. It was not, he was not coerced into the cross. He was not forced by the Father. Are you getting what I'm saying? It was an offering he gave. Now, that is what makes this atonement highly valuable. Now, let me tell you something. When somebody gives something to you on free will, it is more valuable than something you have to force. Yes. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. Now, if you have to force somebody, you have to beg the person, you have to cajole the person, you have to manipulate the person, you have to coerce the person before the person gives. That's why I have a problem with fundraising. Why? Because you have to coerce them, turn their head left, turn their head right, um, arrange their brain, rearrange their psyche. All those, all those things just to make them bring money out. No, no. Even me, I will value it. Are you getting what I'm saying? Even the ones who are giving will value it. Are you getting what I'm saying? But when you give something, when you offer something out of freedom, you value what you're giving. Jesus valued his salvation. He values his salvation because he offered. He was not coerced. He offered. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. That's why it's eternal. If you were forced to give it to them, not be eternal. Are you know what I'm saying? The Old Testament priests, they were literally forced to go and carry out atonement. We have to go and do atonement too. We have to atone unless uh, this year God will not be happy with us. And uh, our animals will not bring food. And uh, many things will happen. So it based on, you know, coercion. But Jesus offered himself. Are we together? Yes. Praise God forevermore. It says, and for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament. That by means of death, 
for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Now we need to understand something here. We have eternal salvation, eternal salvation, eternal redemption, eternal inheritance. Are we together? Everything done by the finished work of Christ is eternal. And the sheep gate is the access into this eternal house. The sheep gate is the cross that gives us access to the eternal house. Eternal life, eternal salvation, eternal redemption, eternal inheritance. And praise God for you. Hallelujah to Jesus. And let's look at Ephesians number 2, verse 14 to 18. It says, For he is at peace who had made both one and had broken down the middle wall of partition. Between us. He says, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of condemnation, contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one human, so making peace. Now, let's understand something. I don't want to go so much into the flesh, enmity, condemn, um, the, law of, um, the law of commandments. Um, in ordinances, I don't want to go into that, but I want to go into something here. He says, he says, to make in himself of twin one human, so making peace. So Jesus makes out of two men one man. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, what are the two men we're dealing with here? He talks about the abolishing in his flesh enmity. The abolishing in his flesh enmity talks about the old man. Are you going to say? Praise God forevermore. He talks about the old man. He says the enmity, even the law of commandments, contained in others. He talks about the old man. Praise God forevermore. And then he talks about, uh, and it, we also looked at um, the other verse of scripture. And he says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit? We're talking about next now, the eternal spirit. Praise God forevermore. Now, so there are two people talking about it. Talking about the old man. We're talking about the eternal spirit. Praise God forevermore. Now, the combination, are we together? When Jesus destroyed the old man and brought about the man in line with the eternal spirit, it brought about a new man. And that new man is called a new creature. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are born, has become new. Now, so when Jesus made peace between the father and man, the peace was made by the creation of a new man, which was what? The new creature. Now, so the old man cannot make peace with the father. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's only the new creature that, can, that, 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 that has peace with the father. Now, the spirit is spirit. Are you getting what I'm saying? Amen to Jesus. But the new creature is the man that has peace with the father. It says, and that he might be consigned, put unto God in one body, by the cross. By the cross. The sheep gate. By the cross, the ship gate, the cross is the ship gate. Having slain the enmity thereby, says, and came and preached peace to you, which we are far off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Glory to God forevermore. Hallelujah, Hallelujah to Jesus. And then let's look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 20 to 23. It says, And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him, to reconcile all things unto himself by him. I say, whether there be things in earth or things in heaven, 
and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now are he what reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unimprovable in his sight. Says, if you continue in faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard, and which we preach to every creature which is under heaven, wherefore I pray is made a minister. Now, so the physical proof to show that Jesus achieved this was that after he cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost, when he cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost, the curtain that separated the inner court from the holy of holies, which gave access to only the priest. Are you getting what I'm saying? It gave access to only the priest. That curtain tore from top to bottom. Now, Bible um, scholars make us understand that the holies of holies was 30 feet long and 30 feet wide and 30 feet high. Amen to Jesus. Now, so the veil that Cover that separated the holies of holies from the outer court was 30 feet long and 30 feet wide. That was the wall. Are you getting what I'm saying? Amen to Jesus. And it's also believed to be 20 feet thick. Praise God for the wall. And it blocked, it absolutely blocked the holies of holies from the world, from the inner court. When that curtain torn from top to bottom, when Jesus said it is finished, what happened? All men who believe and receive Jesus have been given access to the holies of all, where they will no longer call him God, but they now call him Abba, Father. Matthew 27, verse 20 to 21, says, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, he led up the ghost, and behold, the veil of the temple, which rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks went. Jesus did not only have access as a high priest to the holies of God, he also gave everyone who believes in him access to the high priest. Now, that is the beauty of the sheep gate. Are we together? That's the beauty of the cross. The sheep gate here is the cross. And it was without, it was built by the high priest. It was built by Jesus. Praise God for more. It was built by Jesus. So that we can all have what? Access to Yahweh. Not to call him Yahweh, but to call him what? Abba, Father. Now it was that serious that when the Jews used to read the Torah, then when they get to the point where the name Yahweh is, they observe the silence. They can't call his name. Because of the level of reverence they have for him. Now we reverence him so much to call him what? Abba, Father. Because of what? Free access. The same gate reveals that Jesus Christ, by his blood and finished work on the cross, has given all men who believe and receive him access to God the Father. As such, Yahweh is not only God the Father to the Son Jesus, amen, he is God the Father to all his sons, and Jesus is the first begotten. This is the beauty of the sheep gate built. You under the sound of my voice, they not made Jesus your Lord and personal Savior. This is the right time to make that decision. Do you want to start calling him our Father? This is the right time to do that. To 
You say this prayer after me and I tell you, you come into the family of Abba. He's a father. He's a father. He, he has a family and he loves his family. Dear Abba Father, thank you for making me know what Jesus did for me. Today, I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus, in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for everyone who has made this prayer. Thank you for receiving them the beloved. And thank you for granting them the grace to serve and follow you and obey you all the days of their lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise Amen. God forevermore. I'm praying for the sick. Our Abba Father does not like anybody sick. Amen. So I'll be praying for the sick. If you are sick anywhere in your body or you are going to believe God with, um, for somebody to get healed, amen, just put your left hand where you are hurting, lift up your right hand, and we're causing sicknesses and diseases together now. In the name of Jesus, we cause insomnia. Insomnia, we cause insomnia. We cause high blood pressure. We cause every form of retrogression. We cause cancers. We cause deformities. We cause every organ, organ failure. We cause sicknesses of all kinds. We cause spinal disorders. We cause every form of sickness and disease. And we release the healing balm of Jesus into everybody that is sick. And we decree healing. We cause blindness to the root. Yes, we command blindness to get out of people's bodies. Yes, every bean of Ubani bean, we cast you out of the beans now in the name of Jesus. We speak healing and deliverance. To the glory of Jesus. Yes. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Yes. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you if, if you prayed, if you are prayed for and you receive the healing power of Jesus, please do want to communicate to us. Chimi Ohahuna Ministry at gmail.com. We'll be waiting for your praise report. And I know somebody has been healed. Amen to Jesus. Amen. Just before we close, um, for those in um, Ghana, amen to Jesus. Amen. Um, we want to introduce our books which have been published. We publish we um, on, on Amazon we publish about twenty books. But now we are publishing them physically for people to help them. Serve the Lord Christ is there. I love this book very much. It teaches you how to serve God so much in spirit and the truth. Hello, beloved, get moving. When you get a roadblock, when every side is blocked, this teaches you how to go forward. Bless beyond measure. This reveals prosperity to you from God's point of view. The misconception is clear. The greatest word of the greatest man, this ex this is an expose on Tetelesta. It is finished. Um, lighten up. It helps you understand how to use your words using the word of God to lighten up your life. Money shapes. It makes you understand the spirit called money and how to deal with it. The money you. It makes you see that money is not just your environment, in your customer's hand, in your in your business. Money is on the inside of you and how to bring it out. You can have it all. This helps you engage the spirit of God to make sure you read all losses that you've had are restored. Um, you can always, if you want to get um, your copies, just get... Um, um, get us and uh, reach out to us on WhatsApp. The WhatsApp number is 754-594-7132. And if you want to give, please just go to our website. You see our giving channels there for you. www.chibiohaunaministry.org Thank you for your time. God bless you. See you next week, um, Thursday. Please, um, from Monday next week, through um, Friday, we are going to be having a health conference. I tell you, it's going to be explosive. We'll be having morning sessions and evening sessions. The flyers are there already on our WhatsApp and our Facebook. We're already publicizing. Do all to join in, and I trust that it's going to be a great time in this presence. Thank you. God bless you. For your love gift of any amount to Grace Life Kami Podcast, kindly use any of our giving channels available to give in dollars. You can send to Universal Merchant Bank Ghana, 
Account number 033-154-551-2013. Swift code M B G H G H A C to give in CDs. Universal Merchant Bank Ghana. You can send to account number 033-254-551-2017. To give in Naira, you can send to Ecobank Nigeria. Account number 554-102-0592. Also, for further enquiries, you can call us on plus 233-54594-7132. OR. Send us an email via ministry at gmail.com. Today, remain ever blessed. We believe you were blessed listening to this teaching from God's Word. May your soul remain ever refreshed and revived. We would love to hear your praise report today. Beloved, remain connected to Grace Life Comey Podcast. Jesus is Lord.